Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right. Thank you for your giving. How many of you are ready for a word from God tonight? Anybody ready? I'm ready to preach it. Um, I do want to stop and celebrate. Our groups did launch. A lot of groups uh, met this week, and so much, um, so many good things happened. Uh, we even had one individual, I know David's group, we had a guy give his life to Jesus at small group. Come on, you can do better than that. Somebody got saved at group. Like, come on, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, tonight, uh, my assignment is, is very specific. I'm going to talk to you about how to survive a spiritual attack. That's what I want to talk to you about, how to survive a spiritual attack. And let me just set this up. So many times we as believers, we are caught off guard by spiritual attacks. Sometimes when attacks come, we are curious and even surprised that we are under a spiritual attack. Sometimes we think it's because we've done something wrong. But generally, I have found a lot of times when I come under the attack of the enemy, it's not so much when I've done something wrong, but it's when I'm doing some things right that the enemy will attack, that the enemy will throw his spears in my direction. And some of us, when we're in those attacks, we feel like, well, maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe I have sinned and and this is a payment for the sin I've committed. And sometimes that's not an attack when it involves sin. How many know that sometimes that's a harvest on decisions you made? And so there's a difference between uh, calling something a spiritual attack versus um, I'm now uh, having to eat the fruit of the decisions that I've made. Uh, so sometimes it's not punishment, uh, it's just consequences. And there's a lot of warfare talk, uh, specifically in the church, and, um, and a lot of us, as I said, we are surprised by the warfare, but I'm reminded of some of the old hymns we used to sing in church growing up, hymns like Onward Christian Soldier, uh, hymns like Keep On the Firing Line. How many of y'all remember some of those old hymns, right? We, we, we sang them because we recognize that it is a spiritual battle. And I love the new music. I love new worship songs. Don't get me wrong. But there was something about those hymns, many of them, that talked about the spiritual warfare or the attacks that we may have to go through as followers of Jesus. Uh, and they, they understood that. And so tonight... I'm going to put a couple of scriptures and then I'm going to give you a diagnosis, if you will, a diagnosis on if you are in a spiritual attack and I'm going to give you some signs of that and I'm going to also give you some principles to make sure that you overcome those, those, those attacks of the enemy. And then at the end, we're going to put some Holy Ghost on all of this. And we're going to watch the Holy Ghost do what he wants to do in this place tonight. How many can put an amen on that? All right, so let's look at a scripture. You all all know this one, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, 
against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so when you and I become Christians, we are now following Jesus. We are now at odds with the rulers, the authorities, and the powers of this dark world. You are at odds. The rulers of darkness, which are demonic spirits, we've talked about it a lot this year, are what drives the systems of our world. And we know that Satan is the prince and the power of the air. And you just need to go ahead and recognize tonight that the systems of the world are not set up for your success as a follower of Jesus because as a follower of Jesus, you are at odds with the rulers of darkness and the systems of this world. It's why 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 tells us, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So the scripture is very clear that we are in a very real spiritual battle. I've taught on this since January 1st this year. And we often need reminded of these concepts. And what I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to do something a little bit different as we go through these signs of a spiritual attack. And the reason I want to do this is because I have been serving God for a long time. I have been in ministry for 23 years, okay? So I've been around the block a time or two. And what I would say about that is, is that number one, I have been through some stuff personally, but number two, I have seen a lot of stuff. I have watched people walk through seasons where it was obvious they were under spiritual attack. I have seen over the years certain people who were on fire for Jesus. They loved God. They came to church. They served the church. They tithed. They fasted. They prayed. They did all of those things. And then suddenly they come under a spiritual attack. And because they do not know how to survive a spiritual attack, they are no longer serving God. But I'm going to prophesy to you tonight, that's not happening to you. Come on, put a praise on that. That's not going to happen to you. You're going to survive. You're going to outlast this spiritual attack. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you 10 signs you are under an attack. 10 signs you are under attack. Number one tonight, loss of spiritual desire. Loss of spiritual desire. The psalmist said, as a deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. Everybody say desire. That's, a, that's an important word. Uh, desire is an important word because a loss of spiritual desire is often a sign that you are under a spiritual attack. Because desi the desires of your heart, the desires of my heart, move me. And, and, and whatever you, you desire, whatever you put emotion uh, to, when you put your energy on it, on your passion on it, and your desire on it, that moves you uh, in that direction. And, and so sometimes when we're under spiritual attack, we may not even say it out loud. Uh, and I've been a pastor and been under extreme attack before, and, and I didn't tell people this, but the truth was I didn't feel like praying. I didn't feel like singing the songs. I didn't feel like preaching another sermon. I didn't really feel like doing the things of God. 
And it caused me to question what's wrong with me. What, what, what's wrong with me? Have I done something? Have I quenched the Holy Spirit? Have, what, what could it be? Why, why don't I want to do these things? But after 23 years of ministry, I recognize that sometimes when I'm going through the motions and I, maybe I'm not wanting to pray or sing or do the things God has called me to do, it's because of a spiritual attack. Can somebody say amen on that? It's an attack. Um, And a loss of desire is a sign that you are under spiritual attack. It doesn't always mean something's wrong with you. It could be an attack of the enemy. It's no different in the physical realm. You, you guys know this, that if you, in the physical, if you lose your appetite, it's usually a sign that you are not well, that something is off. When you don't want to physically eat, that is a sign oftentimes that, that you are sick and not well. And a lot of times in the, in the spiritual realm, when you have those seasons, let me just ask, how many of you have ever had a season where you just lost the desire to do the things of God? Anybody ever been there? Come on, be honest. Don't lie in church. Come on, some of y'all didn't even want to be here tonight, but I'm thankful you made it to the house of God because your potential for breakthrough is a lot higher in the house than outside the house. And and so many times when we're under spiritual attack, there is a loss of of desire for the things of God. People will tell you their testimony. I got healed or God did this or God spoke to me while I was fasting. And you're just looking at them like they're crazy. Why? Because you've lost spiritual desire because you are under attack. Secondly, another sign. These are signs that I have seen and experienced. Number two, physical fatigue. Physical fatigue. When someone is under spiritual attack, you will hear the following phrase coming out of their mouth over and over and over and over. They will say things like, I'm just exhausted. I'm, I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. I'm, I'm worn out. That is a sign of a spiritual attack because physical fatigue What I'm talking about here is different than just being tired. Physical fatigue is different than just being tired. Physical fatigue is different than needing a vacation. There are some people when they're under spiritual attack, they they think they need another vacation. They go on the vacation, they come home from the vacation, and two days later, you know what they're saying? I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. How can you go away for a week and come home and you feel just as exhausted as you were? Because it isn't a nap or a snack or a vacation or a good night's sleep that you need when it's a spiritual attack. You've got to recognize this is spiritual. This is much deeper than me just being tired. This is the enemy. The Bible says that Satan, what he wants to do in the last days is to wear out the saints. I meet people in church all the time, and they constantly talk about being exhausted. You take the vacation, you have a good time, you come home, and you're exhausted. Fatigue sets in. 
and now it's not just physical fatigue. How many of you understand when you're constantly saying, I'm exhausted, I'm worn out, when you're saying that and you're agreeing with what the enemy's trying to do, you are literally built, building strongholds and your words are now creating the box. It's creating the world that you are now functioning in. And then, we cre- then we're upset that we're tired, we're upset that we're exhausted, not understanding we're contributing to our own exhaustion with the words that we speak. How many of you can say you've been guilty? I've been guilty of contributing to my own stronghold. It, it, we're creating our world. It, watch this, and it becomes emotional. What do you mean it, it becomes emotional? It gets inside of your soul. It's deeper than just words. It gets in your soul. And, and the only way you, you, you can describe it is exhaustion. And, and some of you, when you've been under spiritual attack, you've taken the naps before. You woke up from the nap, and guess what? I'm still exhausted. Your spouse looks at you and say, you feel rested? You're like, no, I'm still exhausted. And when you sleep well and eat well and you vacation well and you're still exhausted, you either got a physical diagnosis that you need treatment for or God to heal you from, or you are under spiritual attack. And I think a lot of times what we are labeling exhaustion and being worn out is Satan's agenda against you. It's the tactics he's been using to wear you down. And here's what I know about exhausted people. Exhausted people make bad decisions. They make fleshly decisions. They make tired decisions. It's not sleep that you need when you're exhausted. When you're exhausted due to a spiritual attack, you need to be replenished. Elijah in the Old Testament is a great example of this because he defeated the prophets of Baal, 850 of them. There was a showdown on Mount Carmel. And you guys know the story. I won't bore you with the details, but at the end of the day, Elijah called fire down from heaven. He embarrassed all the prophets of Baal. He won an incredible victory. And the moment after the victory, he got one threat from Jezebel, and the one threat from Jezebel sent this man who just called fire out of heaven to come down. And this great victory, he ran for his life, found himself sitting up under a juniper tree, and right after this amazing victory, he wanted to die. He was suicidal. He was exhausted. So exhausted that the scripture says that the angel of the Lord came and told him to rise and eat. And now now get this, told him to rise and eat. Elijah got up, he ate, and he went back to sleep. And I never really put it together before. He was so tired and so exhausted and the spiritual attack was so great against his life that he, he ate the food and instead of conversing with the angel of the Lord, he went back to bed. Now, how many know you are really, really tired when you're so tired that you can't converse with the angel of the Lord, but you want to go back to bed? That is how, how significant And how great this attack was on his life. He was worn out. He was exhausted. Spiritual battles, I have learned, oftentimes come right before breakthrough. That's good news for some of y'all tonight. 
And sometimes they come right after your greatest victory. The greatest spiritual attack I've ever been under in my personal life happened right after we built this new facility and moved into it. It was the greatest victory in in our ministry for this church. All kinds of amazing things were happening all around, and I'm telling you, that victory was met by spiritual opposition. It was met by spiritual attack, and we got to be prepared for those attacks Sometimes it comes right after you get the thing you wanted. You prayed for the job, you got the job, and now you're exhausted. You, you prayed for the baby, you got the baby, and now you're under attack. You prayed God would provide that new home, you got into the new home, and now you're under attack. Because a lot of times spiritual attacks come right after the victory. Number three, a lack attack. A lack attack. The enemy is a devourer. The scripture's clear that he has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And what he really wants to do in in relationship to our finances is he wants to produce a mentality of lack where we never think we have enough, it'll never be enough. He wants to produce that mentality. And the truth is, God is still El Shaddai. He is always the God of more than enough. He's always the God of more than enough. And when you start worrying about how we're going to pay the bills and how are we going to do this, and some of us, we even say things like, we make plenty of money, but we never have any. Could it be? It's like the the Old Testament, it says it was like they were getting money with bags and the bags had holes in it. And a lot of people, their life feels that way financially because there is a lack attack. There is an attack on your finances, on your resources. And a lot of times this is, this is a sign that you are under spiritual attack. People who are under attack in the area of their money oftentimes don't recognize that it's a spiritual. How many of you understand that what we do with money is spiritual? And, and when we don't recognize that it's a spiritual attack, that our money is spiritual when it comes into our hands, why is it spiritual when it comes into our hands? Because we're spiritual people and we're following Jesus. And some of us, we would break the lack attack if we just started obeying God and tithing 10% of what he blessed us with. Your, your season of warfare in your finance would end if you would just be obedient. That, that wouldn't be a problem for you anymore. You could break it with a decision. But a lot of times we don't, and we continue to make bad decisions. Number four, fourth sign that you're under spiritual attack is a prayer attack. A prayer attack. Let me, let me just say that I'm trying to move through these rather quickly, but we've all had times when we've had more of an unction to pray. Like we feel an anointing to pray. We feel a passion, and an unction to pray. We have a, a real passion to do it. The desire for prayer, the desire for the presence of God is there. Uh, We also have times when it's not so much an unction, but it's a habit we've built. And let me go ahead and say habits with prayer and discipline with prayer is a good thing, not a bad thing. You don't have to have an unction every time. Some of you, you don't pray because you think you got to feel it. If I, if I only prayed when I felt it, how much would you actually pray? 
if you only prayed. With, so I'm not against the discipline. I'm not against the habit. I'm not against the unction. All those are great ways to pray. They, they're, they're all useful. But when I say prayer attack, I'm talking about, and some of you may not want to admit this, this is when you can't pray. Some of you, maybe you've never even experienced that before. You set aside time to pray, and you go to pray, and then you get there, and you don't have energy for it. You don't know what to say. Sometimes you may even recognize that it's a spiritual attack and you've determined to pray through the spiritual attack, but for whatever reason, you just can't find the words. You don't know what to say. You're getting distracted. Maybe you even set aside an hour here or 30 minutes here, and as soon as you do, a knock comes on the door. The cell phone rings. The kids need you. It's a prayer attack. It's you're trying to get through the spiritual attack by getting into God's presence, but you either can't pray or you're being distracted from prayer. How many know when it comes to prayer, we just got to make it happen? We got to be disciplined about it. We got to develop the habits. And obviously, we need to obey those unctions of the Holy Spirit when we know I'm being compelled to pray right now. I need to stop what I'm doing and pray. Number five, fifth sign that you're under spiritual attack is feeling overwhelmed. You start feeling like you don't have what it takes to handle all the things coming against you. You start feeling like you don't have what it takes. Let me explain being overwhelmed. When, when I say you feel overwhelmed, it's, it's a feeling that you are helpless. It is the feeling that you are helpless in your circumstances. It's a deep-seated feeling that no matter what I do, have you ever had the enemy whisper things to you and you, you just felt like no matter what I do, it's a lose-lose? He wants you to feel like it's hopeless because when we feel hopeless, we become overwhelmed. We feel like no matter what we do, it's a lose-lose, like there's no win in the situation. And that's one of the tactics that the enemy will use against us. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel, in one, one setting, they had the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the children of the east who were without number. They showed up against, against the children of Israel all at the same time. Each of these groups presented an overwhelming obstacle in and of themselves. But this time, all of them came together to come against Israel. And here's, here's the point I'm making. When you get hit by one thing after another or by several things at the same time, it is the enemy's way of attacking you with the goal of overwhelming you. He wants you to feel overwhelmed. He wants you to feel like, I don't know what to do. And that produces this feeling, a deep-seated feeling and sometimes, listen to me, when you're under spiritual attack, especially when you don't recognize that it's a spiritual attack, a lot of these things are founded on feeling, not facts. And so he gets us all in our feelings, and we start saying out loud, I'm overwhelmed, I'm, I'm exhausted, my money's acting funny, and we, we don't even know that we are contributing to the warfare against us. People may look at you, and, and, and some of you, you've done real, you, you figured this out. Even when you feel overwhelmed, you still do, you handle your business, you handle your responsibilities, and everybody that looks at your life thinks, man, they've got it all together. But if they could see your thought life, 
If they could see what's going through your mind from day to day, from week to week, and, and the reason you keep handling the responsibilities, and many times you, you just need to go ahead and thank God for those kids, because if you didn't have those kids, you'd probably stop doing some of the things you need to be doing because you got people depending on you to keep your stuff together even when it feels like it's falling apart. How many are thankful tonight that when you felt like giving up and you were overwhelmed that you kept marching, you kept putting one foot in front of the other, and God saw you through that season? It's a sign that you're under spiritual attack when you constantly feel overwhelmed. All throughout the, the scriptures, Elijah was overwhelmed. We talked about him. David was overwhelmed. Moses had moments where he felt overwhelmed. And a lot of times it wasn't because one thing came against them. It was because multiple things. You're dealing with the loss of a loved one. Your money's struggling. Your kids are acting crazy. This relationship is strained. And if it was any one thing, you'd be fine. But it's not one thing, it's six things. And the feeling of being overwhelmed is prevalent in your life. Number six, you may want to write this one down. When you're under spiritual attack, if you don't deal with it quickly, old iniquities begin to resurface. Old iniquities begin to resurface. This is where it can become confusing old iniquities that you have defeated in the past, they start to resurface. Temptation that you thought was no longer a temptation is now a temptation again. And the crazy thing is, is that it was done, it was over, it was settled, and out of nowhere, it shows up again. And we have to understand that there is both sin and there is also iniquity, but they're not the same. Sin is an act. It, it, it's an act. It, it is an act that violates the word of God. It is an act of commission. I committed the sin, or it's an act of omission. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. That's sin. It's in violation of the word of God. Iniquity is not the same thing as sin. Sin is an act. Iniquity literally means, when you study out the word iniquity, it means that you have a bend towards something. That you are bent. You have a propensity to do certain things that does not honor God. Certain things that are outside. You guys know this to be true. You, you may struggle with some things, but how many of you don't struggle with everything? Can I get an amen right there? Like, sometimes you, you see somebody going through something, and they have a, a, a bend towards it. And you're like, man, I don't even understand why they would even think. But let's talk about what you're bent toward. You may not struggle with everything. None of us struggle with everything. But everybody struggles with something. And iniquity means that you have a bend towards something. Sin is missing the mark. That's sin, okay? That is missing the mark. Iniquity... The best way I could explain iniquity to you is like an arrow that is bent, which means it's not missing the mark. It means it's impossible to hit the mark because it's bent. And, and, and with an arrow, the only way that they could get the arrow fixed is they had to soak it in a solution and they had to nail it down and leave it there long enough so that all the bends were out of it. Sometimes we just got to get in his presence long enough for all the bends to be straightened out in our lives. And that takes time. It takes time for God to work out some of the kinks that we have. 
So old iniquities begin to resurface. Number seven, you begin to pull away from godly people. You begin to pull away from godly people. Something is wrong when we don't want to be around godly people. If somebody's attending this church and then they stop attending and I check in on them and they avoid my calls, they don't want to have a conversation. And then I ask some of y'all, have you seen so-and-so? Yeah, I've reached out three times and they haven't gotten me back. How many know they're under spiritual attack? See, I've watched this play out so many times. The same person that would, in Walmart, in in the frozen peas and corn, they'd have church right there. Speak in tongues, lay hands on people, have church right there in the aisle. That same person under spiritual attack, instead of having church, they're looking to make sure they don't run into church people. They're dodging them. They're ducking the church people. Can I get in and out without running into a godly person? Because when we're under spiritual attack, many times we don't want to be around other godly people. It's a spiritual battle. Psalms 1 says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whether, whatever they do, it prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. How many people have you known in your life because they were around the wrong people, getting the wrong counsel and the wrong advice, wrecked their life? All because of the wrong relationships that they invited into their life. If you want to know the direction that a person is heading, find out who they're hanging out with. Your life will always be moving in the same direction as the people you're doing life with. That's why we tell our young people, don't hang out with so-and-so, right? Some adults need that talk. Stop hanging out with so-and-so because your life is going to move in the same direction that they are going in. Number eight, spiritual attack, you feel like giving up. Now, let me explain what I mean by, by this one. This is when under spiritual attack, you become, watch this, overly discouraged overly discouraged. I'm not talking about discouraged like the natural course of life discouragement. You had a bad day, I'm discouraged. That's not what I'm talking. I'm talking about you are so overly discouraged that if people try to encourage you, you're mad. Have you ever been so discouraged that when they tried to encourage you, you wanted to slap them? How many know that's a problem? Come on, y'all laugh. That's a problem. You say, well, pastor, have you ever been so discouraged that when people tried to encourage you, you wanted to hit them? Sometimes. <laughs> spiritual attacks happen. And, and, and when you're in a spiritual attack and you're discouraged, here's the crazy thing. 
We're discouraged. We, we, we're so upset, but we don't even want to be encouraged. I've met some Christian people, I can't encourage them. No matter what I say, they got a, they, they got a rebuttal. Well, this happened and that happened. I just want to tell somebody, you don't want encouraged. You don't want help. You don't want to change. You like the bed you're laying in. When you're ready to get up, let me know. We'll have a conversation. I promise we're going to get to the Holy Ghost stuff in a minute. But I have to give you the diagnosis first. You say, Pastor, have you ever been like that? I have been like that. How many of you have ever been so discouraged you didn't want to be encouraged? Right? You've been there before. It's like positivity and encouragement. That's on my nerves. <laughs> Tell me the devil's not involved with that. Right? The devil's involved with that. I'm not saying the devil himself, but how many know he's got demons doing his work? And there's, there's a demon involved when you are so discouraged you don't want to be encouraged. That is a sign you are under spiritual attack. And I'm reminded tonight of what Jesus said to Simon Peter. He told him, he said this to Peter. He said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But he went on to say, but I have prayed for you. Watch this. Not that you don't fail, but that your faith don't fail. Because the enemy knows if he can rob you of your faith, he can rob you of your ability to get back up again. But as long as my faith is intact, I will rise again. I will get up again. I will laugh again. I will have joy again. I will be encouraged again. As long as I don't lose my faith, I won't stay down. Jesus said, when you're restored, Peter, after all this happens, it's going to happen. When you're restored, I want you to go and strengthen or encourage your brothers. Some of you don't know this, but your season of discouragement is going to be your message. It's going to be your message. Because you're going to be able to connect with people that feel like, what's the point? Why am I going through this? I don't care anymore. And you're going to be able to tell them, I went through a long season of discouragement when I didn't think I could get back up. But you know what? God is faithful to his word. He got me through the season. I'm not discouraged. I'm encouraged. And I'm here to strengthen you. Number nine. You find stimulation or enjoyment through ungodly methods. Let's just go ahead and hit the nail in the head. Popular psychology will tell you, we'll take it a step further. A lot of modern preaching will tell you, God wants you happy. And they'll preach it. Blood red face, spitting while they preach it. God just wants you happy. And I have learned that God is not so much interested in my happiness as he is my holiness. God doesn't want me happy. He wants me holy. But here's the lie of the enemy. Y'all getting anything out of this so far? Here's the lie of the enemy. The enemy wants you to believe that your happiness and God's holiness are at odds with one another. We can go home. Because if you understand that your happiness 
and God's holiness are not at odds. But the truth is, when we start doing the will of God and we live obedient to the Heavenly Father and we're walking in step with the Holy Spirit, doing what the Word says to do, you know what comes as a direct result of obeying God? Happiness. But we think happiness and His holiness are at odds. They're not at odds. Some of you would get a whole lot happier if you would just stop sinning. If you would just go ahead and forgive that person that wronged you, you'd be happier. Do I have to preach this? Like, we, 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 I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Man, blah, 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 blah. Well, stop sinning, start living right, loving God, loving people, and moving on with your life. And I promise you the result of that will be a happy life. But when we're under spiritual attack, we think our happiness and God's holiness are at odds, and we don't, we don't want to be obedient to the things God has told us to do. Number 10, last one. Now, I'm not saying this is all the list. These are just 10 I have dealt with and seen. Looking back longingly on your former life. You're saved, you're following Jesus, but when you're under spiritual attack, a lot of times we start looking back at our old life, longing for what we used to do. Longing for the life that we lived. And what I think's crazy about that is, is that it was that life and that lifestyle that led us to an altar because we were miserable doing it. But the enemy wants to convince you you weren't miserable, even though I don't know how it was for you. I was sitting in the church, and I had the white knuckle syndrome. You say, what is that? I held on to the back of the pew so tight. I was under so much conviction because I was living a life that was not honoring God. And the Holy Spirit was wrecking my mind and my heart and drawing me into a relationship with the Father. I was holding on to the back of the pew for dear life. But that night I got up, I got over the white knuckle syndrome, marched myself down to, to the altar. And listen, all the stuff that came along with the life I was li living at that time, God lifted every single burden off of my life. I left that place, I felt like I was 500 pounds lighter. But the enemy will say, well, look at so-and-so. They don't live for God, and they seem happy. Look at, look at so-and-so. They, they don't honor God. They don't obey God. They don't, they don't do the will of God, and they look like they are doing so well. Well, hopefully, the same way your previous lifestyle brought you to an altar, you might want to pray for so-and-so who looks so happy that that life and lifestyle will also lead them to an altar so that they can come into a relationship with Jesus. Looking back longingly on your former life. Listen, I believe that for some of you tonight, you've been in a season of spiritual attack, Listen to the, what, I, what I want to tell you here. It seems like it has been relentless. It seems like it has been one thing after another. And it seems like this has just gone on way too long. I really feel that the Holy Spirit told me to tell some people tonight 
that this season of spiritual attack over your life, not only because you're hearing the word and recognizing what's been going on, but that season is going to end tonight, that he who began a good work in you is also going to perfect that work in you. The good seed of the word of God planted in your soul is going to come forward. Destiny is going to come forward. And this season of warfare is about to end. If you believe that is your word, go ahead and give him a praise tonight. Come on, you can do better than that. Now watch this. If I were a doctor, and by the way, I'm not, this would, be, this would have been the diagnosis. Okay, this is the diagnosis. Gave you 10 signs, diagnosis, you're under spiritual attack. Now we got to take our medicine. We got to have a prescription. I'm going to give you four quick principles that if you're in a season of spiritual attack, this is very important that you grab these. Number one, do not forsake the place of prayer. And when I say place of prayer, I, I literally mean the place of prayer, the, the place where you spend time with God. If that is in your bed, if that is in a living room, if that is in your office, Wherever that place is that you connect with God, all of us have a place. How many of you have a place you talk to God, right? We, most of us should have, have a place. You say, why, why are you calling it the place? Why don't you just call it prayer? Because God is a God of place. There's something significant about being in the place of prayer. The promise was realized when the children of Israel got in the right place. That's why it's called the promised land. Elijah was not going to be fed until he got in the right place place. Jacob fell asleep, had a dream, and he saw in the dream a ladder descending uh, to, from earth to heaven. He saw angels ascending and descending, and he woke up from this, and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. Jesus had a place. Solomon offered up a prayer in the new temple and the prayer was so powerful that God spoke to Solomon and said every time you pray from this place I will hear you, I will answer you, and I will deliver you so much so that if the enemy comes in and snatches you away from this place if you'll just think about this place, I will hear you and deliver you. He's a God of place. Do not forsake the place of prayer. Secondly, do not forsake the place of power, the place of power. With that, I'm talking about God's house. This is a place of power. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Just being in the place of power raises the level of potential for your breakthrough. Just by being here tonight, you have raised the level of the potential for your breakthrough. Just by being in the room tonight, your potential for breakthrough is a lot higher than had you just sat at home moping about the spiritual attack. It's a place of power. The writer of Psalms talks about the house of God like this. He said, it is the place where the tribes go up and God sets forth judgment. And what he was saying is that, if you study this out, the house of God is the gathering of rulers. That this is a place of authority. 
And a lot of times we, we, we talk about individual anointing, and I'm all about individual anointing. Everybody in this room who's following Jesus, you have an individual anointing. But there is something about a corporate anointing. There are things that happen in atmospheres like this that you don't experience all by yourself. That there is a corporate anointing. There is just something about all of God's people gathering together in one place to lift up the name of Jesus. That it's no longer an individual anointing, but it's an anointing of all of us coming together. It's a corporate anointing. And I believe we can have such a corporate anointing over this house that cancer can't live here. Come on, diabetes can't live here. Demons can't. There is a corporate anointing. If you want to survive a spiritual attack, you need to find yourself regularly in the place of power. Number three is the worship team. You guys are close, I think. Yeah, there you go. Give me some keys or something. Number three, do not forsake the power of partnership. Why is this one important? When encouragement goes down, sin goes up. Discouragement is the soil where the seed of sin multiplies. People that are discouraged do things that they wouldn't do if they were encouraged. You need prayer partners. You need faith partners. You need peer relationships. Jesus was so specific about this. Watch this church. He said, if any two of you would agree touching any one thing, if any two of you, if any two of you would partner up, I would move. You would see that one thing that you're in agreement over come to pass. If any two, there's something about taking the hand of your spouse and say, let's agree. The devil hates that. There's something about in the workplace and the coworkers going through and you say, let's pray together about this. There's power in partnership. The enemy, and, and we so much I could say here, the enemy will use all these things and, and bring attack into your life to ultimately, watch this, isolate you. To make you feel like you're all alone you're discouraged and when discouragement is up sin is also up you need relationships and, and listen to me power you need you need peer relationships you need faith relationships you need prayer relationships you also need you need power relationships what what's a power relationship a power relationship are those relationships that will cause you to rethink a thing some of you, the reason you can't get out of your season is because every time God sends you a power relationship that makes you rethink a thing, you, instead of receiving it, you're offended by it. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another man. And, and we all say, I wanna hang out with sharp people, but I don't wanna get cut. Well, that ain't how it works, baby. If you hang out with sharp people, they're going to cut you. They cut you to grow you. They cut you to develop you. We need some power relationships. 
one of the examples, you can study this out for yourself. Abraham had a power relationship with Melchizedek. It was a power relationship. Melchizedek was a king and a priest. He calls Abraham to rethink some things. And the scripture says that Abraham sowed up into Melchizedek. This was a power relationship. He sowed into Melchizedek. And when you study it out, after he sowed into that power relationship, he never fought another battle. The enemy will always attack the power relationships that's meant to elevate you. It's meant to take you to your next level. He will attack those. What you sow into is what you grow into. Number four, this is the last one. This is not for my sake. I've learned this over 23 years of ministry. Do not forsake pastoral protection. This is about covering. The problem in this culture is that we really don't want a pastor anymore. We want a puppet. We like the pastor when he says yes to our every desire. But the moment he gives us a no, we no longer want a pastor. We want to control him. We want to, him to be a puppet. Sometimes you need to be told no. Pastor's role, watch this. A pastor's role we hate this part of it. His role is not just to feed the sheep. His role is to correct, rebuke, and exhort. Some people get offended at me for just saying no. If I gave them what they really needed, which is a strong rebuke, they would say I'm terrible because they're not mature enough to handle a real strong rebuke. And some people, the only way they're going to get to the level they want to get to is to not only hear a rebuke, but to hear it without being offended and begin growing. We have to break this thing. And let me, let me just go ahead. Since I'm here, I'm already in the, the deep end of the pool. We got to break this thing where when we're in a spiritual attack that we think we need the pastor every single time we're under attack. I've had pastors in my life that when I was going through a spiritual battle, it isn't that I never got a meeting with them, but there were moments when I thought I needed a meeting not recognizing that if they're really my pastor and I'm supportive of the vision and, I, and I'm coming to the house of God, that God will put a word in his mouth and while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit will break that word off and feed everybody in the room and give them the breakthrough they need without another meeting. We gotta raise up stronger people. God could put a word in my mouth and I can speak it and a thousand people could be set free without any meetings. 
And it's, you say, well, pastor, you not want to meet with, no, I meet with people all day, every day. I'm just saying sometimes our breakthrough is not tied to another meeting. Our breakthrough is saying the man of God just preached a word from heaven. Can I not grab this? Can I not just take what, what, what God is saying and apply it to my life and watch my life begin to move in the direction of heaven? I'm prophesying right now and some of you are mad. That means that you're the right person to hear this. If you're mad right now, this was for you. God has the ability to put a word in a man or woman's mouth and when it's spoken, you grab it by faith and your healing come, your breakthrough come, your deliverance come, everything you need can come by you just saying yes to that word. Well, praise the Lord. Do not forsake place of prayer, power, partnership, pastoral protection. And when you do those things, what you will find, man, I love when the Holy Spirit's speaking like this. The anointing begins to work in your life. Now we got to put some Holy Ghost on this night. Some of you are like, the Holy Ghost has already hit me good. We're going to seal it though. We're going to seal tonight because I'm determined people are not leaving here the same way they came in. I'm determined the sick will be healed. I'm determined that exhaustion that has wreaked havoc in your physical body will be broken that the expiration date on this season of warfare is here. And what we're gonna to do tonight is we're gonna put the devil behind some people, open heavens above people, and doors open ahead of you. How many can put a praise on that tonight? Every generational curse in the bloodline's gotta be broken tonight. You will laugh again. You will have joy again. You will be encouraged again. The spirit of heaviness will be replaced by the garment of praise. You're not staying in this discouraging season any longer. Give him a praise tonight all over the room. Come on. If you don't take it, I'm just going to keep preaching. Praise God. The worship team is prepared to do a couple more songs and they are powerful songs. The atmosphere has been set all night. They, they did a beautiful job setting an atmosphere tonight. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is here to heal you, deliver you, set you. I don't know what the whole, but I, I, in prayer, I just kept going back to Exodus, I think it's Exodus chapter three, when the bush was on fire and not consumed and Moses walks up to the bush and he had, a, he had the opportunity to either keep going about his day and doing life the way he had been doing it, or he could stop, turn aside and take note of what his heavenly father wanted to do in his life. Tonight is a time for you to turn aside and watch what the Holy Spirit will do in your life, in this place tonight. I'm gonna ask, in this moment, I believe that there are multiple people that need prayer, that need a breakthrough, that you've already said yes to this word and now we're gonna seal it through the laying on of hands. 
And I believe that it's gonna be a power encounter tonight, a power encounter. The Holy Spirit is gonna meet you where you are. I'm gonna ask the staff and the prayer team to go ahead and get in place all across the front of this room. I'm gonna come and come down and join them but I want us to prepare our hearts before we begin to worship and sing and pray for people. And here's, here's what I, I need everyone to do. Please don't sit back and think, you know, maybe I shouldn't go or what, whatever you, you begin to think about when, when it comes to these moments. So many times we stay in our seat not understanding. Watch this. You may not need another meeting if you'll just put one foot in front of the other and say, Holy Spirit, I'm coming to you. God, I am coming to you. I wanna see what you can do in my life. How many of you would admit tonight that what I preached on, that you are under spiritual attack, you identified with it and you know you've been under a season of spiritual attack. Let me see those hands all over the room. There are hands up all over the room. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to prepare to come forward. I'm gonna pray. The worship team's coming up now in place. And when I get done praying, they're gonna sing and we're gonna pray for people. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, over this room, over this, over this ministry time, God, over the, the opportunity to do what your scripture, your word tells us to do, which is to lay hands on people. God, as we lay hands on them tonight, we believe there will be a transfer of power, that there is agreement in this house. And God, where there is agreement, all things are possible. I pray that every sickness be healed. I pray every demon that has tormented minds and spirits, God, that they are driven out of this place tonight. We are setting aside this time and saying, Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. God, let us see you in a brand new way. Let us experience you in a brand new way. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come forward for prayer tonight. Come forward for prayer. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.